Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than Stand-Up. I'm Brett Lamont. Joining me today is all of the leadership team from the ISBN Enablement Operations team, Jesse Marchand, Teresa Kramer, Robin Bittner, and Amy Evans. Hi, everyone. Hello. Um, so today it's going to be the next episode in our Myths of Leadership series, and today it's the I don't have biases when I'm hiring. Who wants to take a crack at that one first? Wow, silence is everything. Look, they gave me dealer's choice for this episode. I picked the episode off of topics they gave me. I asked them for something and I get crickets back. So that's called, that's called passing the buck. Maybe you can start out by taking the hiring bit out of this conversation for exactly. a minute. For a minute. Sure. And okay. I think the reason for silence from the group is because this is an uncomfortable topic uh, for the majority of humans, quite honestly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because acknowledging that we have biases means we have biases. And mm. especially in the world and the, the perspective and the, the cultural dynamics that are happening, it's a sensitive topic, right? We okay. don't want to be labeled as the humans that have those biases. I think the important part of the conversation is recognizing that as part of our biology, there's a reason that things that are different were as our in our evolution, that they were things that we were afraid of and we needed to protect ourselves from. And that awareness that that is part of who, who we are as humans is where we need to start the conversation. Yeah, and I would add on to, very well said, Teresa, and I would add on to that, that not only things that are fearful, but things that um, attract us to certain things. And so there's qualities of which we judge the world. Judgment cannot occur. And I mean, judgment, not in the sense of, are you good or bad, but uh, selection and choices cannot occur without the presence of variables of which to consider those. So naturally there has to be a set of things from which values and perspectives and whatnot are considered to arrive at which path should I take. And so Teresa's point was spot on about this is quarter biology. And in the world today, we, we, you know, we find that people are judged by who they affiliate with or who they might be tied to or whatnot. And sure. so in an effort to be more objective, one has to acknowledge that one is biased mm -hmm. and that that's where the challenge comes in. So then let's, let's change the topic or let's just change the title then to where we're talking about, uh, how managers don't have biases as a fallacy as, as a, fallacy. a fallacy yeah well, i think we just said managers i would do, presume all yeah. managers are humans <laughs> you know <laughs> humans have biases sure. therefore if a b equals c so again i'm turning things into math problems right. but but hmm. we do people people have those qualities and characteristics that they look for or look against and that helps form a conclusion yeah, I think, yeah, to that point, we're all human. And if we accept the fact that we're all human and having biases are woven into our DNA and the way that our brains function, then we can start to look critically at where we can see patterns in our own behaviors to try and at a minimum be aware of those biases and take steps to mitigate those. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that one. I was going to offer that maybe it's not the individual action, but it's the 
uh, consistency along a certain path that really is what we're talking about and perhaps avoiding those paths that aren't fair and just. So do you think it's the trying to find a good fit? Like I'll just go with a conversation that I know teams have where they're looking to find someone, you know, there's, there's an open space on a team and there's someone, you know, that they, are they looking for the best fit? Are they looking for somebody who can stretch the team? How do you think that plays into it? It actually brings that exactly where I was going to go because it's, there's the aspect of, we all have biases. We're going to gravitate towards people that are like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that we're comfortable with, but there's also the other aspect of looking at the psychology and performance of high performing teams mm-hmm. and research repeatedly showing that the more the diverse teams and different perspectives you have, the better rounded the solutions become and, and the way the team performs. The trick of that is being a leader or uh, a team member that recognizes those differences and can help to balance those and understand those so that you know how to interact act as a team. But I think that that's why it's super important in particular in organizations where we try to put aside those biases or mitigate those biases because research has shown that the highest performing teams are those more diverse thinking patterns and learning behaviors and the the different strengths that people bring to the team collectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On, on that point, we had talked in an earlier podcast about, or had referenced about how humans are tribal creatures Mm -hmm. and tribe tribality assumes if that's an actual word, um, a similarity. And so I think what Teresa's, the notion that Teresa is bringing up here is that um, if you are forming a tribe with its own characteristics, the higher performing tribes have included variety as a conscious act in order to diversify and therefore become stronger, more effective. And in this case, we're talking about tribes as work groups. Work groups, mm-hmm. teams, sure. organizations. And, and how do you think about, if you do have that opening, um, how do you think about structuring the, I'll say the interview process so that you are identifying those, you know, the gaps that are in your team and you want to stretch the team and work to fill those gaps um, or uh, structure your types of questions around enhancing another skill, or you might recognize you have some more junior people. And so you need to be bringing in some more um, advanced practitioners and so how do you structure and, and bring the team along with that's the moves that those are the moves that you need to make. So let me ask it from, from an IC perspective. Do you think it's a good idea to bring in somebody as what I've heard used the, the phrase, a bar raiser, somebody who comes in to see where they fit in the org? That is a tricky question. Yeah. And the reason that that's a tricky question, I wish I had a whiteboard right now that I could draw a a picture for you is I've been asked multiple times in my career, what level of proficiency I want to hire people. And I would say that it is not as much tied to their expertise or proficiency in a given discipline as much as it is their willingness and ability to grow and learn. I would rather have somebody come into the organization that had minimal proficiency that wanted to 
grow in that area, then bring in an expert who has nothing to learn. And, you know, I know everything. So don't, I have no room for growth, right? Sure. That is a more challenging dynamic, quite honestly, than bringing in somebody who is new and wants to develop in that area. Yeah. To add on to that, uh, there was a, a, a former leader that I, I very much admired and, and had worked with for a while. And they specifically referenced the fact that a lot of times organizations want to get the top and best of everything. And it's sort of like trying to form a sports teams of individual stars. Mm-hmm. Individual stars don't always work well together. And as Teresa you know, mentioned, it's very difficult to manage effectively. You need to have a composition of a team that has, you know, if you put the same spi- hot spices in a soup, it's not going to be hot. To, it's going to be very good to eat unless you really want that. But if you have that combination of those different levels and skills and balances, you know, in a way, you're actually running counter to that sense of having a diverse team if you have all stars. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to have, by, by definition, you're designing for failure in that regard. So having people that are different levels, different strengths can stretch into each other. I think there's a role in there. It's just to your point, Brent, as to how does that potential add help the team get better? Yeah, I think to, to add on to that point, and one of the terms that I, that I take issue with is, you know, hiring the, the most highly qualified candidate. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of all, all staying this in, in sort of different ways. And, and I struggle with that for two reasons. The first, of course, being the unconscious biases. Um, I mean, how, you know, at, at, at most interviews are maybe five, six hours. How can you really determine who is the most qualified from there? So unconscious bias plays a huge part in that. Uh, and then, you know, secondly to that, highly qualified in what context? Are you thinking about the entire team as a learning organization? And are you filling gaps, uh, raising the bar, wh- whatever those things might be? So, so I, to tie it back to that, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of things to consider. So to me, it, you know, it's almost where we could wrap this one up early where it's like, do, are there biases? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's the uh, recognition and reflection. So you recognize that you have them reflect that this doesn't necessarily change what you're hiring it's that you're trying to get the right blend for the team and for the organization so that it can be the most efficient and effective the other piece to add on to that would be the action that you take in response to that awareness and reflection yeah mm-hmm. i would build on that. i i i think awareness is the first step right like sure to address a problem you have to acknowledge that there is a problem but then to Robin's point, what steps do we take? And you see it in some organizations where things like taking the names of individuals off of resumes in the screening process is a, a common practice. Not all organizations do it, but I intentionally don't look at names when I'm looking at resumes if they get sent to me. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I intentionally try not to do is look at the years of graduation. Sure. Or the year of their first job. Like your first job probably isn't going to matter a whole lot to me. I want to see like the last three or four, right? Like I try to acknowledge where there are biases just from an industry perspective 
and I sure. take those steps to to mitigate them where I know I have my own biases. Right. So it sounds like Teresa, you know, after she, to your point, develops that awareness, you know, she certainly has that desire to do the right thing and is gaining some knowledge. And well, you, you know how the story goes. <laughs> I'm literally looking at my pro-sci um, pencil holder on my desk. Keep going, Teresa. Yep, yep. Well said, well said. There we go. Let's have our ad car reference. And for those who don't know, good, ch good chance to look it up. A-D-K-A-R. That's another episode for another time. Is there anything else we want to add in here right now? So no? if you're, oh, okay. well, uh, I'll, I'll throw a little more thing in. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to, um, the next step, if you're able to get uh, and, and hire with diversity inclusion in mind, then perhaps this is another episode. But you start to have to think about where those fault lines because diversity will cause additional friction. And you're not all alike. So mm -hmm. it cannot right. end at just, oh yeah, we built a diverse team. Uh, let's call it, let's call it good. Right. Yeah. So, right. yeah. There's, from yeah. friction, that's that is another niche. great. Another topic. Topic. What yeah. do you do once you have a highly diverse team yeah. with different perspective, just different cultural views and different learning styles? See, watch me say this is the next episode. So congratulations, our next, our next iteration is going to be on that very topic. Until that next time, I'm Brent. And I'm Amy. And Jesse. And Robin. And Teresa. Until the next time, you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Reach out to us at mail at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at FasterStandup. Thanks for listening, and that was Faster Than a Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.